0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at LabBrooks.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot um. and finds the net. On TalkSport 2.
2: Hello, hello, welcome to Women's Football Weekly. England continued their perfect record under Serena Wiegmann, making it 14 games unbeaten with a 4-0 victory in Zurich.
3: Kelly will across into the box and Jill Scott is arriving and goes in at the far
2: post and scores a brilliant header. With just two days to go until the opening game between England and Austria at Old Trafford, the excitement is building in the England camp and they're here
0: to put on a show. Playing in the Euros is, is one thing and playing on home soil with the fans there is it's incredible for the women's game and you know it's a platform where We can make a difference in the women's game and show people
2: what it's really about. Meanwhile, plenty of England legends looking forward to the tournament and calling on fans to get
4: behind the home team. Sometimes in moments where you're dipping a little bit, the fans can really get you up. So we need everybody's support to, to be a positive to help that England team. We'll be previewing all the groups before things kick off on Wednesday and getting some expert opinions on the tournament from
2: a special crop of women's football journalists. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show.
4: Women's Football Weekly with Faker Carruthers.
0: Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2.
2: Hello, hello, you lovely lot. Lovely to have you with us as always here on TalkSport 2. Got a very, very special panel guest for you today. A very warm welcome to Josie Green, Wales and currently, but apparently not for very much longer, Tottenham Hotspur midfielder. Dot, dot, dot. How you doing, Josie?
5: Hello, yes, good, thanks. Thanks for having me
2: on lovely to lovely to have you thanks for making your your debut and we know you're moving house but we're not going to tell anybody where because it will be released in a couple of days and i won't steal your thunder <laughs> uh, but very exciting times ahead for you um you've just been on international duty obviously with with wales a of straw against new zealand some really important world cup qualifiers on the horizon but it must be so frustrating for you uh, not being involved in the euros this summer how are you coping
5: Yeah, I think um, seeing how much hype is around it, obviously it being close to Wales, um, it would have been amazing to be in part. So I think we're all bitterly disappointed, but I think it gives you that extra few percent, especially when um, we're leading up to such important qualifiers in September to, to hopefully get what I think we and the whole team think we deserve and get a major qualifying spot.
2: It would be incredible to see you out in Australia and New Zealand, that's for sure. Uh, We also have journalist Jesse Parker-Humphreys joining us, also making their debut. Jesse, you've written about a million group previews, so we obviously had to get you on this preview show. But from all of your research, who is lifting the trophy on the 31st of
0: July? I shouldn't carry on saying it because I'm going to be bitterly disappointed, but I still think it's going to be England.
2: Oh, I love that. Optimism all the way. Optimism for the Lionesses. Uh, now, I was out in Zurich watching the action as part of Talk Sports live coverage, and I mean, many people thinking it might be coming home after watching all the warm up performances. Let's listen back to how England's final warm up match against Switzerland sounded.
3: Here's a cross from the right hand side, Daly towards the far post, and the header is in by Alicia Russo getting up in front of the goalkeeper and latching on to Rachel Daly's point delivery to the far post. Brave and strong and nodding the ball across the face of goal and into the empty net. And England finally have their breakthrough and it's come from Manchester United's Alicia Russo. Kelly holding onto the ball, looking to twist and turn her way into a crossing position. Does brilliantly, to squeeze between two players, produced across the far post and with a volley. Oh. Cleared off the line brilliantly. What a goal that would have been for England. It's a penalty. Still, it's, it's alive inside the area. Was there a handball? There was. Marty, I think, stuck her arm out. And the referee is going to give a penalty for England. Stamway stands with her hands above her hips. 74 on the clock. England nil. Switzerland nil for so long. But in the second half, they managed to get on the score sheet thanks to Russo. And now Stamway drives the ball from the penalty spot into the goal to make it 2-0 to England. And after struggling in the first half with their finishing, once again in the second half of one of these warm-up games, they come to the fore and establish a two-goal lead. 74 minutes on the clock in Switzerland 0 England 2 and Georgia Stanway has rifled the penalty hut. Stanway with the corner from the right side, drills it in towards Beth Mead who ah. heads the ball brilliantly and firmly past the goalkeeper who didn't move quick enough. Brilliantly well-worked routine. Stanway into Beth England who was about 12 yards from goal when she bulleted the header through the legs of the goalkeeper to make it Switzerland nil. England three. Kelly with a cross into the box and Jill Scott is arriving and ghosts in at the far post and scores a brilliant header. A delicious cross from Chloe Kelly, whose impact off the bench cannot be underplayed. A wonderful right footed curling ball and sneaking in behind the Switzerland defence. The veteran Jill Scott leaping to score her 27th goal ahead of her fourth European Championships for England. It's
2: 4-0. And that's exactly how it finished. And I have to say, producer Flo, very disappointed that you didn't uh, choose to give Joy Crooks more um, royalties and put Feet Don't Fail Me Now on as that bed behind, <laughs> behind that. Oh, dearie me. Uh, right, it did finish Switzerland nil, England four. A blistering second-half performance yet again uh, from Serena Wiegmann's side. Uh, they've now scored 12 goals against Belgium, the Netherlands and Switzerland, despite being level at half-time in all of them. Let's hear from the England head coach after Thursday's win. She told Sports Sam Matterface the result and performances of her substitutes show an important depth in her squad. It shows that our team, uh, you know, we have a, a squad of 23... And we can use any player and uh, everyone that comes on the pitch impacts the game. That's what we've seen in all our friendlies uh, now. And that's really good to know. And that gives some confidence to the team too. And it also says that we just have to play patient. If we don't score in the first half, we know the second half we'll get more space because we can keep up the speed of the game. Josie, interesting. The three warm-up games, not necessarily convincing in the first half, but the second half performances have been really important for the Lionesses. Does that, in your opinion, mean that Serena Wiegmann's got her starting line-up wrong? Because she's playing the same players, but they're not doing it in the first half.
5: I think for me, it shows uh, an immense amount of squad depth. Um, the players are coming on in the second half with the points approved and I think they're coming on and it's there's not much in between the the England players I mean they've got such a great squad such a um, mix of youth and experience as well so I think it just goes to show that that's a really important part of her squad and it's not just a starting eleven that it's going to take a, a whole team to get them over the line. Mm,
2: Jesse, 12 goals means the favourites tag. I mean, they're your favourites, but, you know, the favourites tag, obviously, is spread far and wide now. Uh, Do you think they've maybe showed too much of their hand in these opening three warm-up matches?
0: I don't think so. I think the nature of the different opponents that England kind of picked to come up against has suited them in terms of, you know, they've maybe practised playing against different styles of football that, won't necessarily be as important as you get further down the tournament, but were also really important to get right. You know, being able to break down a team like Belgium or Switzerland, which are maybe more reminiscent of the kind of, issues they're going to come up against in the group stages but that doesn't necessarily reveal like how you're going to perform against a Sweden or a Germany or whatever when you get into like the quarterfinals or semifinals I don't think.
2: Yeah, it's it's not going to be easy. I think everybody sees Austria and and immediately thinks it's going to be a walkover, Jesse, but but that's definitely not the case. This this Austria side have the ability to potentially come out of this group.
0: Yeah, I think so. I definitely think they have the players who who could cause a challenge. I think England will know that what Austria offer, you know, obviously having played them in World Cup qualifying and and only winning 1-0. And I think that's obviously a benefit to England that they're not kind of going in blind to this game. And, you know, I think obviously we want to talk about what's going to happen on the pitch, but I think the fact that it's going to be 75,000 people in Old Trafford will be a massive boost to England as well. I think it will just give them that little bit of extra impetus to, to really push and the way these group games open up for England, I think, works quite nicely because they know they can go out hard against Austria and Norway and then maybe have that kind of easiest test against Northern Ireland when hopefully they might have wrapped stuff up and then that's when Serena Wiegemann could look to rotate a bit more.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, le- let's hear from Millie Bright, shall we?
0: England defender says she cannot
2: wait to play in the opening game.
0: Playing in the Euros is is one thing and playing on home soil with the fans there is it's incredible for the women's game. And, you know, it's a platform where we can make a difference in the women's game and show people what it's really about. Um, so really excited to yeah see all the all the teams play, not just ourselves. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that excites you as a player. But again, we just have to remain focused on the task and that's performing. And it is quite
2: frustrating, in my opinion, Josie, that we are still in this kind of mindset that we're having to talk about showcasing the game. I feel as if the WSL over the last few years has done exactly that. But the home Euros is going to be a really pivotal way of of highlighting it to people who perhaps have no interest in the women's game or have largely ignored it but I do feel as if it's getting a little bit lazy and tired now constantly having to talk about you know showcasing the women's game I wonder what you feel like as a player
5: yeah I feel like um it is a repetitive Comment that keeps coming up and up, and if you've just looked at women's football or watched a game over the past few years, I don't think you would have to really reiterate um, the fact. Um, but you know, as a player, I think as all players, with female players out there, you just want to grow the game so it makes it better for younger girls that are coming through, um, and that they get a better experience or they get, um, you know. Better comments on social media and by maybe people that haven't seen women's football before because um, I don't think that it still gets enough credit that it deserves.
2: Josie, talk me through Norway and Northern Ireland. Um, How much of a threat are these two sides?
5: Um, For me, Norway have some fantastic players. Um, They have plenty of standout players that play in the WSL. I mean, Guru Wrighton's been fantastic this year for Chelsea in the WSL. And we played um, Norway in Wales, played them in their qualifiers um, for the Euros last year. And they're a really, really tough team to play. They have strength in their starting 11. So I think they're going to be a surprise team in the Euros.
2: And what about Northern Ireland? Obviously a a team that you're more familiar with. Yeah.
5: um, I mean, Look, It's a brilliant achievement for them to get there. Um, They are the lowest ranked side, but being the underdog of the group, nobody has any expectation for them. So they can go out there and play without pressure. And I know that they've got a fighting spirit in abundance. um, And I know Rachel Furness is is one of them. I've played with her a little bit and um, she's got a wealth of experience and she's a really powerful midfielder. So I think she'll be one to watch for them. Definitely.
2: Yeah, she really is. It's going to be a really interesting group to call, isn't it? But hopefully England will manage to get out of it. And then, of course, uh, they've got a tough... Quarter final opponent, no matter what happens, and uh, we'll be able to explain more about that when we go through Group B very shortly. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Others. Wales and Tottenham midfielder Josie Green and Women's Football journalist Jessie Parker Humphreys are with me. Coming up, we'll continue our Euros preview with a look at that group of death, Group B. <laughs> This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others. Wales midfielder Josie Green and a panel of brilliant journalists are with me. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app. So just go ahead and download it today. Uh, now, we're going to continue our Euros preview with Group B, the group of death, so-called, uh, featuring Germany, Spain... Denmark and Finland. And here to help us is German women's football journalist Anika Becker and women's football writer Alex Ibiseta. Good to see you both. Let's start with uh, Germany, shall we, Anika? Eight-time winners of the competition. They've won six in a row, but how are they looking heading into the 2022 Euros?
6: Um, well, it's a bit hard to tell. I feel like there's a bit of a disconnect um, between um, expectations rooting in history um, and between the current development. Um, The German FA said that, um, okay, we want to reach the semifinals. Um, That's our goal. And of course, the players are saying, okay, we want to play to win the championship. Um, But there's around it um, fans and journalists, also a lot of people who are a bit skeptic um, because the matches over the last year haven't been great. Um, Our coach, uh, Martina Vosteklenburg, was forced to rotate a lot because of injuries. Um, and covid so um, yeah there's some automatisms uh, missing there sometimes and then pre-tournament we had only one friendly setup um, because they wanted to focus on training uh, to change that which is understandable but it's a bit hard to say okay um, how will they fare against the big teams
2: yeah, it's, it, it's going to be very interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of the time, because women's football evolves quite quickly, you do see a lot of other teams step up very quickly and, and other teams perhaps go, go backwards. But you do still have some fantastic uh, players in your squad, albeit it was a depleted squad in that Arnold Clark Cup uh, friendly tournament earlier on this year, mainly down to, to COVID. But who should we be looking out for in particular?
6: Um, definitely uh, Lena Oberdorf in defensive midfield. Um, she's still very, very young, Um uh, but I think it will be the first big international tournament for her where she's got a huge impact on the game. Um, she's very good in uh, recovering the ball, covering big spaces also, and she's very technical in a way that she can recoverable and then just pass it on very quickly uh which is a quality not many players have um and then i think Svenja Hoot will be very important she's um very experienced um, she will be captain against denmark um, was stated today and she's had a really good season and yeah it's just marvelous um with her crosses um into the box so these are two of uh, the few who can be very important.
2: Obviously, depending on on where Germany, Spain, Denmark um, potentially finish, and if England finish in the top two, you could face England in in, in the quarterfinals. How
6: do you feel about that? (laughs) Um, I would love it personally, because I would just love to see the game, (laughs) the match. Um, Yeah, but of course, that would be very tough. It would be a very tough match. I think that um, England uh, would be the favourites in that one. Um, But yeah, I would love to see it Um, just for the crowds as well. I think that would be really nice.
2: Alex, you follow Spain a lot, obviously, and and the assumption is always that
7: Barcelona is Spain but that's not the case is it? So while Spain do have the Barcelona foundation in terms of you know you have Sandra Paños you have Mapi and Paredes the greater part of the Spain defense has been um, either played for or is currently playing you know when you look at Ona Batyit for example she did grow up in La Masia so she does have that Barcelona style play as well then you obviously have the famous uh, midfield in Alexia Patri and Aitana and then obviously you have not as many in, in the attacking position, which I think is where it goes a bit, not wrong, but it just goes in a different direction than what you have at Barcelona. I think that's where you see the biggest difference in terms of style play. And then obviously, Jorge Vila isn't necessarily a, I, I don't know how to put this without, <laughs> without kind of explaining it all in one go, but he's had a few questionable decisions leading up to the zeros. And he hasn't really progressed Spain over the last few years. Um, he's been in charge since 2015. And since then, you know, you haven't really seen Spain do anything big, um, to put it very bluntly. So whether he's the right person for it or not, I think it's going to be down to the players kind of pushing Spain through rather than the manager, which is a bit of a shame. But, you know, you can't look at the Barcelona success and kind of carry that over to the spain squad
2: the thing is what's what's funny obviously with the world's best player alexia puteas in the in the squad there are a load of people who think spain are favorites for for the tournament yet there are a lot of other people who think that actually they could be the the shock of the group and an exit at the group stage but you're the expert alex tell us what you think
7: oh boy that's a lot of pressure um yeah no look i mean alexia poteas is alexia poteas she's gonna be the world's you know best player but there's only so much that she can do if everything around her isn't functioning to her strengths if that makes sense because she is essentially a barcelona player so when you put her in the barcelona system she's going to thrive in it and when you put her in a spanish system when you have a very static number nine for example in front of her it's a whole different ballgame than what she does at barcelona so whether she's going to you know she's going to be the player that she has at barcelona nobody really knows and that goes for spain as well you know spain have a very bad problem of not being able to score goals and you saw that in the last tournament you know they lost 2-0 against the usa in the last world cup and the us scored two penalties and that was it that was the end of the tournament so their just their inability to score goals and just convert chances is could be kind of the downfall you know it if they go up in the group stages It would be because of that, essentially. Um, It would be because, you know, Pernille Harder is going to score a brace for Denmark or, you know, Jule Brander, or uh, Tabea Vazmuth or, you know, any of the other 10 attackers that Germany have are going to score goals and Spain aren't going to be able to counter those goals. Um, So, you know, it is very much a possibility. But at the same time, Spain do have, you know, some of the best players in the world on their squad.
2: And they did beat Australia 7-0 as one of their warm-up results. So you, know, you never know. They sound pretty inconsistent. So we shall see how they fare. Um, Jesse, Denmark. Um, Alex mentioned Penilla Harder there. Obviously, uh, Chelsea's forward, a, a key player for the Danes. And actually, I feel as if they could do something quite special. They, they did really well in their warm-up games, 2-1 win over Austria, a 2-1 victory over Norway, and then beating Brazil 2-1. Are they perhaps dark horses that are going under the radar?
0: I definitely think Penela Harder looks in the mood for this tournament. Um, and I think when Penela Harder is in the mood, you can kind of think that anything could happen. She's got a lot of a freer role at Denmark than she does at Chelsea, which... On the one hand, is amazing because it kind of allows her to do what she wants. But on the other hand, I do worry a bit that it doesn't always seem like the Danes have loads of ideas if a defence is very effective at shackling her. So I feel like it comes down a bit to, you know, how competent some of the defences uh, Denmark come up against. But, you know, with Anika referencing Lena Oberdorf, that's like a player who's going to, I think, thrive off, off shutting down Penila Harder. So that would be my slight concern for Denmark. Um, but, you know, like, look, they're a quality team. I think, you know, having Nadia and Nadine back is also just a big psychological boost for them. Um, Senior Brun scored in that Norway game. So I think all of these things show that they're getting together as a team, but I don't know if there's everything there to, for them to kind of recreate that 2017 run to the final. Mm,
2: and then the fourth uh country in the group seem to be getting overlooked massively in terms of finland i mean it's going to be really tough for them they lost 5-1 to japan and 2-0 to the netherlands in in their warm-up games but they did get to the semi-finals of the euros in 2005 when it was last here in england although didn't qualify for the 2017 edition uh, josie you know uh teen from tottenham uh, what do you know of, of finland and what can they do
5: yeah, I mean, you look at their group, even it being named the Group of Death, I think um, immediately, psychologically, it's going to be a really uphill mountain for Finland to climb. But um, I know Tinny well. Um, she's a great, uh, great shot stopper, a really good keeper. And I think she will, she will be busy in that group for, for sure. But she's got a wealth of experience and she'll, she'll really lead that Finnish team for sure.
2: Yeah, I bet she will. Uh, They kick off against Spain uh, on the 8th of July. That's the five o'clock kickoff. Germany will play Denmark on the 8th as well. Uh, Annika, if you were going to give a prediction of how Germany are going to fare in this tournament, what would it be?
6: Um, I'm going to say that we will reach the quarterfinals and uh, then we'll just have to see who we are facing. I mean, you talked about um, the possibility of facing England earlier, um, but I think even if it's Norway, um, (laughs) it might be tough. So, yeah, I think um, that's also a result I personally would be quite happy with because, yeah, you just have to see that um, Germany wasn't really doing that much in the last years from the FA side. So, yeah, I think quarterfinals would be nice.
2: Interesting. Right. Well, we shall, I'm sure, speak to you at some point across the tournament and find out how you're faring. But thanks so much for joining us, Anika. Much appreciated. Alex is going to stay on with us uh, for part three where we go through group C and D. Uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with Faker Others. Uh, we will be back very shortly to take a look at C and D.
8: one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them
0: on same goes for healthcare that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com
1: the premier league all access podcast is proud to be brought to you by ladbrooks there's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch with the latest odds form guides and expert opinions You'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on talk sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be org. T's and C's apply.
2: You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football, with me, Faker Rothers, and a host of special guests previewing the UEFA Women's European Championship, which kicks off on Wednesday, the 6th of July. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so you can go ahead and download it today. And we are the network to come to for all of Euro 2022 action. We'll have stories reaction, live commentary as well across TalkSport and TalkSport 2 over the month of July. Uh, right, now we've taken a look at groups A and B. B. Let's look at Group C, shall we? Uh, with the reigning champions, Netherlands in there. Obviously, uh, they hosted back in 2017 and the England head coach Serena Wiegmann uh, was the one who led them to glory. They beat Denmark in the final. They also got to the final of the 2019 World Cup, were eventually beaten by the USA. And I think it's fair to say that new manager Mark Parsons has perhaps struggled a little bit since replacing Serena Wiegmann. We saw them lose 5-1 to England at Ellen Road about 10 days ago, Josie. What did you make of the Netherlands?
5: Yeah, um, I think first half, you could see that's what the team are about. Um, and I think they'll be hoping to take that first half into um into the Euros, but I mean, they're defending their European European title and they've got one of the most prolific goal scorers in the WSL in their team. And I think that's that's going give, to give them a whole heap of confidence. And they've also got a great attacking midfield. You've got the likes of Jackie Gronin in there. Um, I've played against her a few times and she's a really, really intelligent midfielder. Um, and also Jill Rudd. Danielle Van der um, I know she's recently been injured, but if you know she's fit and flying, she's a great player to have. It's just whether they have that depth of their squad, um, and do they have, you know, the people that can come on and really change a game, um, like we've seen the England team has at the moment.
2: Yeah, you mentioned Vivian Miedemar there. Lika Martins as well is absolutely fantastic, Jesse, but they look quite fragile at the back.
0: Yeah, this is kind of an issue that I think started under Wiegmann and you saw it at, at the Olympics. I think they've conceded since the Olympics two or more goals, I think on like sev- seven separate occasions, which is really just not what you expect from a team who you kind of would think might be Euros contenders again. Um they play Dominique Janssen at left-back, which is always a bit of a strange decision. And then Sherida Spitzer is obviously a real legend of the game, but is kind of holding onto that midfield spot when maybe it's not quite the right thing anymore. They got this massive coup in getting Damaris Egarola to declare for them um, when she was eligible for Spain or America. But it doesn't really seem like Mark Parsons has actually wanted to integrate her into the team. I know she doesn't really speak Dutch, so I don't know if that's got something to do with it. Um but yeah, I think something's just not quite right there with that defence and back of midfield setup, and it's kind of allowing teams to break them down quite easily, as we saw England do.
2: Mm. Does he speak Dutch? Because he's English, obviously. So I'll be interested. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Interesting. Um, Sweden, Alex, the bookies' favourites. Many people I've spoken to throughout women's football are tipping them to do something special and of course very similar to England they've come very very close in in recent times and just not been able to get over the line they made the finals of the last two Olympic games bronze in the 2019 World Cup of course beating England in that third place playoff they've got really good squad depth as well and seem particularly balanced what do you make of them and how far can they go in this tournament
7: yeah for me I think Sweden are probably the most well-balanced team in the entire tournament tournament because you look at you know we've, we've talked about it so far you know spain have kind of i mean spain's defense essentially fullbacks might be the the weakest position you have the netherlands who have defensive you know weaknesses germany again who have an attacking prowess but again their defense doesn't really live up to that that same hype so sweden you know you have a magdalena ericsson kind of leading the back line you have um you know three, two experienced um, goalkeepers that can just show stop in, at this level, no problem. You know, you have Hannah Glass in, in kind of defense as well, and then you keep working your way up, and you and you keep getting touched by amazing players who play at a really good level. And then you get to the front, and obviously you have, you know, your Stina who's obviously had a, a decent half-season with Arsenal. Um, you have Lina Hurtig. And then on I think the biggest name to look out for here is Friar Fr- Rolfo. Um, who has had a cracking season with Barcelona. Um, and I think, you know, as Jesse mentioned with Preniel Harder, I think she's in a mood. And I think that, you know, in form from the season is going to carry over. And if, you know, Sweden are probably one of the most well balanced teams, I say that because they play so well together. You know, it's not about individual players who carry the team like other nations. And I'm not saying that other nations do that, but. In this team, you you know when you talk about them, you mention so many different players, um, and that's just a great road to to the way they play. We've seen them play, um, you know, in a very well organized manner that you don't see as many times as we mentioned. You know, with Germany, who don't really have that you know organized tactics just yet with all the players that they have, um, and yeah, and their recent success, you know, last. In the 2019 World Cup, they finished third, Olympics second. So who knows, maybe Euros first if they want to continue their pattern. Um, but no, the, I think they're they're one of the favourites for a reason, and I honestly think that they can go all the way.
2: Yeah, I th- I think I think you're right there. I think they're going to be a real handful for whoever has to come up against them. Plenty of WSL names uh, in there as well as Alex mentioned, Magdalena Eriksson of course, uh, Emma Kohlberg as well at Brighton, uh, a host of Everton players, including Hannah Bennison, who is tipped for great things, and Philippa Angeldahl, who's just moved uh, to Manchester City. Um, Switzerland, obviously beaten recently 4-0 in Zurich by England. They qualified via the playoffs. They've had really difficult prep for, for the tournament. They did lose Captain Lea Valti through injury but she had played against, she did play against England so they're hoping that she'll be fit enough for their opening game against Portugal on the 9th of, of July. But I'll tell you what interested me, actually, Jesse was Alicia Lehman turning down her spot in the squad, saying she didn't feel uh, mentally ready for for the tournament. What did you make of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think if there's any player who kind of doesn't feel up to the schedule, it's kind of within their rights to take that decision. And ultimately, I think only she can really know you know what's motivated her to to make that decision. We talk a lot about you know the intensity of the schedule um, for footballers on the men's or women's side, and you know there can be a lot of games. And you know if she needed a break, she needed a break. And I think that's kind of yeah her call really, isn't it?
2: What What do you think? I mean, it's so difficult, but but as a player, Josie, you must know what that feels like when when you just think, do you know, what I, I I'm not gonna I'm gonna end up being a passenger.
5: Yeah, it's really tough. I think playing for your country is, you know, the in my opinion, it's the the pinnacle of my career. I mean, every time I put that shirt on, it's it's an honor. So I feel like sh- she must not be ready there um mentally to to be able to do that. And I think that's like Jessie said, that's that's her decision and, and down to her at the end of the day. But you just want to do your country proud and maybe if she's feeling that she's not there and not ready to do that then that's why she's had to step back
2: I wonder whether Alex you think this is a pretty straightforward group really because the, the the country completing it a Portugal obviously last minute replacement for Russia I mean they're not even in the Pernini book for goodness sake are they even part of the tournament <laughs> sorry Portugal I'm I'm, I'm joking clearly um, they first qualified for the Euros in the last edition in, in 2017 but didn't make it out of the group stage is this a very straightforward group with Netherlands and Sweden just battling it out for top place
7: yeah I definitely think so I think you know I do think Switzerland are a good team and obviously they're being coached um by the same manager who led Denmark to that last final um but whether I don't think they're ready to compete with you know a Sweden and a Netherlands just yet and Portugal obviously you know they're still a growing nation. Um, so I think it would be down to Sweden Netherlands competing for that that top spot.
2: So the Group C fixtures kick off on the 9th of July. Portugal will play Switzerland at Lee Sports Village and Netherlands will play Sweden at 8 o'clock on the same day at Sheffield United's Bramall Lane. Uh, Now, Group D, France, one of the favourites, but, I mean, absolutely surrounded by chaos, as they tend to be uh, quite often, (laughs) don't they? Karine Diacra still in charge, uh, despite France getting knocked out of the 2019 World Cup by uh, the USA in the quarterfinals. So much controversy, Eugénie Le Sommer and Amandine Henri not in the squad. Uh, so much attacking talent and Wendy Renard still as that defensive rock. What can France do, Alex?
7: Yeah, the, the chaos is um, quite evident when you talk about Kurendriak. Uh, but focusing purely on the pitch, you do have, you know, some of the best, Three forwards in the world in, in Baltimore, Diany and Katoto. Um, whether Corindia, Jesse and I were talking about this the other day, and and you know how more chaotic can Corindia go, and um, and not play one of the best three um, strikers in the world altogether in a tournament like this, uh, which seems probable to be honest. Um, and it's not to say you know the the second choice kind of would be you know Melvin Malar and Cascarino who are brilliant players on top of that. Um, but it's it's more about how Driak is going to kind of get this team through the line when, you know, can you imagine someone like Driak kind of giving you a motivational talk when she does do the things that she does off the pitch. So um, how much that's going to impact the players is kind of the, the, the go-to and, and they are missing, I think, a crucial part of the pitch, which is the midfield. um. They do have, you know, the defensive blocks. They do have the fullbacks, you know, and Semra Bacha who's had an amazing season, who can easily attack just as much as defend, but they're basically just going to play the line, the, the ball out to the wing, and then just cut in for Katoto to finish on a one-touch insider without kind of just bypassing the entire midfield. And in a tournament like this, when a lot of the teams do have a strength in midfield to kind of shut you out and play the ball through, um, whether that's going to be the biggest downside to France, that might be it. Um, but essentially you know France are s- some people's favorites. Um, and I can see why when you look at the names on the sheet there are some of the most talented players on on in the world but with gorindriak's you know chaoticness, um, are they going to be able to kind of keep that keep that composure against you know Sweden for example who is, you know mentally strong and a lot more organized in the foundation of of um, the national team but there's no there's no denying they're talented but we'll see how far they go
2: yeah, they always manage to shoot themselves in the foot somehow, don't they? And uh, we can't forget that Diacra actually left Katoto out, PSG's record goalscorer, um, back in 2019, because she said she didn't train well and she didn't like her attitude. And now she's changed her tune and just kicked two other people out of the team instead. Unbelievable. We shall see what France can do. Italy are in their group as well. They're always improving, challenging the European elite. I mean, most people thinking they'll qualify second out of this group. Josie, what can Italy do?
5: Yeah, I think they're still a a growing nation. Um, I think they'll... I think they could qualify. They've got a good chance, but I don't think if they do, I don't think they're ready yet to compete with the really top nations. I think they've still got a a bit of work to do. Um, and I know they've got some good forward players um, that play in the in, in the Italian league. Um, but I think the the defense is really important um, for for teams, and you know, clean sheets do do when you get when you games. And I think that that might be where they struggle a little bit.
2: Belgium could be tough for them to get out of their group um, but they did win their qualifying group beating Switzerland but they've just not been performing particularly well in, in recent games but they have got Tessa and uh, Anderlecht ex-Manchester City uh, scoring nine goals in qualifying and she can turn any game on its head Jesse,
0: Yeah she's obviously a, a quality player and I really like Tina De Cagney. I I heard someone say on commentary, I don't think you say it like that, but I've been calling her that for years now, so I can't get it out of my head. Um, But she plays for Hoffenheim and I think she's also a really talented player in midfield and I think she'll be really essential to them in terms of feeding the ball to Wolop because I think often we can talk about these fantastic strikers in in smaller teams and yeah, it's great, but they need to get the chances to score the goals. I'm sure Belgium will feel like they could cause an upset I think it's kind of fun that France is in this group with them as well just for you know geographical rivalry which is always you know that's kind of the point of these tournaments in some ways too Uh, so I think they will struggle but it's definitely more open than some of the groups so maybe there's just a bit of a kind of why not attitude there for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Iceland make up the group. Their fourth time uh, in the Euros. Never gone beyond the quarterfinals, though. Uh, But the coach who helped them qualify, John Tor Houksen, won't be in England with the team. He had to resign after using inappropriate language towards some of the players under the influence of alcohol. Interesting. Uh, Recent results, just the one warm-up game, a 3-1 victory over Poland. But of course, we have spoken on Women's Football Weekly before about Sara Bjork, Gunnar's Dottir of Juventus' comments on the fact that some of the stadium are just not big enough for this tournament, which is an interesting debate that we shall perhaps discuss in uh, the final part of the show. So Group D's fixtures, Belgium Iceland on the 10th of July and France, Italy uh, on the same day, but the eight o'clock kickoff. Uh, Alex Ibisetta, it's been a pleasure as always.
7: Thank you for having me on.
2: Thank you for being with us. I'm sure we'll speak to you throughout the tournament. Freelance football journalist Alex Ibaceta there. Uh, right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport. Sport 2. I'm Faker Rothers and I'm alongside Wales midfielder Josie Green and Jessie Parker Humphreys, women's football journalist. Next, we're going to hear from a Lioness's legend and Chris Bryant, who's head of delivery for Euro 2022, ahead of the start of the tournament. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothbers, women's football journalist Jesse Parker Humphreys, and Wales midfielder Josie Green. We are available on podcast as well. Do not forget, plenty of places you can download us, but first head to the Talksport app to find us. You can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. Uh, now, last week Talksports Bradley Hayden went down to one of the Euros Roadshow events and spoke to former England winger Rachel Yankee, who of course got over 120 caps for her country. She was talking about the tournament and her expectations for this current crop of lionesses.
4: Yeah, really excited. I think, you know, less than a week to go. I, I don't know, I feel probably more nervous now than I did when I was playing. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty cool. But things like this today are, are really cool to see. You know, so many girls playing football down here, actually wanting to get involved and, um, you know, they can learn more about the players can have a, have a little go at some tricks and stuff like that, and, uh, and generally just get involved. So it's pretty cool.
1: And what have you made of the squad that Serena Williams has chosen for for the Summers Euros?
4: Um, yeah, I think it's a very talented squad. Um, I, I think the best thing about it is that it is gonna be the whole squad. It's not just a, an eleven that would, you know, go and, and play or, or win this uh win the, each game. It will definitely be the squad thing. So, um and the squad look like they're um, they look like they're together. They look like they're enjoying each other's company, which is always a positive
1: and as an Arsenal legend, we've got Leah Williamson, who's our captain for the tournament this summer. What have you made of how she sort of evolved into, into that role?
4: Yeah, no, I think she she's doing really well, you know, and, you know, knowing Leah, uh, you know, she's just the kind of person that will take everything in their stride. I don't think she'll be too phased by by the pressure. Um, she's quite grounded and, um, you know, she'll, she'll want to just keep being her. And, um, and I know that she's... You know, she'll lean on other players and she'll use everybody's experience to um, to help the team. So um, I think they've, you know, they've got a really talented squad, and uh, you know, fingers crossed they can do well. Have you swapped any texts ahead of the tournament, any good luck messages? <laughs> no, 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 I saved them. So uh, a little bit later, a little bit closer. <laughs> yeah, I've spoke to uh, Jill Scott a couple of times, but um, but yeah, no, it's, they, I think they know that every former player is is behind them and, and wants them to do well. They, every every time you want to carry on the legacy, you know where we want to drive it to, they understand full well that these major tournaments are so important to not just as a footballer you want to win. But to actually, you know, drive the game on and push it to another level and, and get the next generation inspired. That was Rachel Yankee, England Centurion,
2: of course, OBE as well, I should have mentioned at the top, speaking to Talk Sports uh, Bradley Hayden. Listen, there are a few things to discuss there. Um, Emma Hayes tweeted earlier on today. Uh, in Smith's Toys UK and not a single official Panini Women's Euros 2022 sticker album is on sale how can we push when the sport is still not visible enough our girls deserve to be seen Uh, Josie do you feel as if this tournament has been visible enough so far
5: I think there's always room for improvement like Emma said if it's in the toy shops or um, things that young girls can see more I think that's going to you know increasing the visibility in those ways really really does help because say for example when I was growing up I didn't see that women's football or being a professional women's football was actually a thing um so I think if young the more young girls that can see that and that can inspire to to maybe be like um you know Leah Williamson the captain of England one day that's the the better it is so I think yeah more can be done for sure.
2: Yeah, it, it does feel a little bit... I mean, I'm sure once the first game kicks off, things will start to ramp up a little bit. But producer Flo tweeted out earlier that there's still so many people that have absolutely no idea, Jesse, that there is a tournament going on. Now, who's to blame for that? Because maybe I've just got the, the awareness because I'm involved in the tournament and I'm working on it. And I've seen lots of it in terms of like crisp packets and, and various promotional material. But, but for people who are maybe casual viewers or not viewers at all, do you think it's visible enough?
0: It's hard to judge, isn't it, when we are kind of end up in our own little football bubbles. I think definitely that's something I can't quite figure out because everyone around me is very excited. I mean, I live down in Brighton and obviously we're hosting Some of the games here at the stadium and definitely around the city, there is now a lot of stuff up. So I think if you you are living, you know, somewhere which is hosting a game, it feels like now it's quite obvious whether that's maybe a little bit too late. Like it's been only put up in the past couple of weeks Um, and, and what that looks like if you're in another part of the country. I don't know. We know that large swathes of the country don't have any games at all. Right. So I think it's a tricky one. I do think these things always gain momentum as the tournament goes on. I think if we see England do really well, people will really get behind the team. Like I remember watching the 2019 World Cup semi-final in a pub in London Bridge and it was the first time I'd kind of ever seen a whole like pub of people just watching women's football because it was on because they were excited. It hadn't been something especially organised. And I think, you know, it's hard on England because I feel like they've got that extra pressure to kind of bring it to people in that way, but I do think that will happen if if they do progress further in the tournament.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, And regardless, I am very excited about it. It all kicks off across the TalkSport network, live on TalkSport, build up from seven o'clock with live commentary from eight of England versus Austria. A top team waiting for you at Old Trafford, a sold out Old Trafford. Join us for all of the action throughout the tournament. We're of course home for Northern Ireland's games as well on TalkSport 2. Right, double debutants, Jesse Parker-Humphreys I hope you'll join us again. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. Outstanding first performance. Uh, Josie Green, good luck for your move. We uh, are waiting on tenterhooks to find out where you'll go. Well, secretly we know, but it will be announced soon, won't it?
5: Yeah, yeah, it'll soon be announced. And thank you. Thanks for having me as well.
2: You were absolutely fantastic, both of you. Thank you to Josie Green, Jesse parker Humphreys, Alex Ibiseta, Anika Becker, Bradley Hayden, Rachel Yankee, Chris Bryant, Abigail Davis, Declan McCarthy, producer Flo, and, of course, all of you, as ever, for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app.
1: The Premier League All-Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on TalkSport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.
8: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...